Hello. Everyone, this is Jan Arden. And you're not going to believe this, but this is season two, episode one. Episode one, season two, however you want to spin it. My God, <laughs> we're on season two of the Jan Arden Pod. The first season was 145 45 episodes. Sarah Burke is joining us today. Right out of the gate, I want to tell you she's here because Caitlin is on a little bit of a break. As you know, we did some special episodes in the month of August. Thanks for tuning into those. It was great to revisit some of those conversations, Sarah. I don't know how you feel about listening to your content, like even if it's a month ago or two months ago. It's weird listening to conversations that you were part of and you're like, I don't remember this at all. Sometimes it's like a black hole and you're just like, wow, that was funny when I said that. Oh, that was not funny. Well, for me, I have so many cringe moments uh, because I feel like I'm cutting people off. You kind of have a lot to say. It's okay. Well, but I just feel like I just jumped on what they were answering. And I I was just like, oh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to burn my hair off. I keep (laughs) interrupting and I'm like Rick Mercer was telling me some story and I was like laughing and the laugh was over him. And, but you do learn, you just learn as you go along. But anyway, it was really fun revisiting some really amazing conversations with some amazing guests. It made me extremely grateful and to have the opportunity to talk to, you know, our listeners that have been unbelievably supportive the last couple of years. And really we've been doing this through COVID. Hey, Adam, the whole time didn't miss a week. Most of most of our first season, which makes me laugh, was COVID. Yeah, totally. If I may ask a question, only because I'm just joining you guys now. Yeah. I, it's kind of like, you know, asking you to pick a song, baby, which I would never ask you to do right now, Jen. But what would be like one of those interview moments that just knocked you off your feet? Like someone you spoke to that you absolutely loved a response on a question. I'm going to, I mean, there is so many, and I certainly don't want to disregard anyone, but Wendy McClendon Covey is a comedian, actress, philanthropist, animal lover, writer, probably producer and director. Her list is long. She, She lives in a suburb kind of in California outside of L.A., and she's been married, and she's been on the Goldbergs. They're in their 10th season. She was, you know, I can't not mentioned bridesmaids which we all know and loved and she's got that great line about her son's masturbating so much that the blanket is literally stiff that she has to wash and you know and she just says it with this deadpan sardonic way anyway she was really enlightening we actually ended up doing uh probably eight or nine minutes of a bonus round with her that doesn't go on uh, terrestrial radio, but it ends up on our streaming segment of the podcast on uh, Spotify and iTunes. But man, she was so unbelievable about relationships in Hollywood, um, her marriage, you know, how solid it is, the work she does, what she says no to, yes to. And uh, man, was she ever nice. You know, Chase producing, right? Like, you know so many people. You're very well connected. But if we were to manifest now for this season, that's your highlight from season one. Who's a name that you're like, come on, come on, you got to come on? Because maybe they'll hear it here. Well, in a perfect world, Bette Midler would be unbelievable. This may sound really bizarre. Juliet Lewis, 
I find her fascinating. Nick Nolte has long been so high on my... I was very attracted to him when I was younger. Cannery Row, um, movies that he did, the one with Streisand. Uh, gosh, what was that called? I see Adam getting ready to Google for us. <laughs> the Prince of Tides. The Prince of Tides. I saw him in that, and I couldn't get him out of my mind for months. So I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to talk to William Shatner. Oh, yeah, and he's had an eventful summer, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. I'd love to talk to Justin Trudeau, our prime minister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's just so many, there's so many great people. But that's, that's my short list, Sarah. Um, I want to, and, and swinging it back around to you, um, it's so great of you to be able to fill in. You have your own podcast. Maybe tell everybody a little bit about yourself because this is day one of season two. <laughs> and you're going to be with us for a while, Sarah, which is so fantastic. And I can't tell you how grateful I am. But a little bit about where you're coming from, what you've been doing. I know, but our listeners don't. Okay, so I'm a Toronto gal, um, broadcaster, producer, programmer, podcaster. I'm sort of in between jobs right now, figuring out my next steps. So I've got a bunch of freelance stuff on the go. The podcast is called Women in Media, and it's a podcast you have been a guest on. And thank you for coming on that time. Uh, you can check out the Jan episode. I might dangle that <laughs> carrot when I need to, when I'm looking for new guests. Well, I've had Jen Arden on. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I care a lot about the things that are being discussed on that podcast, like how women are treated in the media and elsewhere. Um, so that's a little bit about me. But yeah, born and raised in, in Toronto, um, been broadcasting for 15 years, and I like having my hands in a lot of different projects. Boy, it sure worked out great for us. <laughs> what What's your favorite part of what you've been doing? And and this it is unique to be in a position where you can sit back, pour yourself a drink of some sort, and really think about what am I passionate about? What do I want to do? Because as you know, as we get older, we do change that passion mission. Oh um, yeah, and and things that were important to us ten years ago suddenly are not as shiny. We're not as attracted to that part of what we're doing. And I found that, you know, so many, so many times in my career. For sure. And like you hit the nail on the head there. I think, um, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, I want to run a radio station. That was the goal. And then I had a few offers on the table for that over the last five years. And it was like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. That's not something I, I'm interested in. Um, I, my most recent job was at SiriusXM, uh, being the manager of the music department for Canadian music. And when I left, you know, the outpouring of love from the artists who I helped, you know, in terms of like emerging artists needing a little support, those were the things that stood out to me. And a lot of the programming that I did there turned into some talk programming, you know, um, rebranding an Indigenous channel, which I, I loved that project so much. And so I'm sinking my teeth into some things like that now, because it used to be about like, you know, when you're younger and getting into broadcasting, it might be about you being in the spotlight. But now it's like, how can we share the spotlight? How can we give that spotlight to people who need it more? That's sort of the change I've felt. Have you felt supported by other women as you've made your way up this Yes. This path that you've been on? Because I totally. think it's a, it's a hot topic right now, uh, you know, supporting each other, how we For perceive sure. each other, what success means, you know, because she succeeds, does that mean that I fail? Uh, why yeah, is she totally. getting ahead? Yeah, I wanted to get your take on that. 
Well, even like the fact that we are now recording this podcast together is because, you know, a, a relationship that I've kept up with, even if it's just a social drink here and there over the last five years is what led to it. There wasn't an interview process. It was a call and, hey, I thought of you for this because she knows what I'm about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And things like that, moments like that mean the most to me. Um, and I like to do the same, you know, when other women need something, um, you can see a, a project someone's working on. You're like, hey, I have a contact that might be great for you, right? Like, let's share. There is room for everyone here. Although I will say earlier in my career, I certainly felt the, you know, wh whether you want to call it jealousy or envy, I've, I've definitely felt that before. Well, I was going to ask you, has that landscape changed since you were 19, 20, 21 years old? And I would probably venture to say that it has changed. Yes. Before coming to uh, Toronto, because I started my radio career in London, Ontario, um, I would have been very intimidated to go out and be around other women in broadcasting. And in Toronto, I have found that like, doesn't matter what company you work for, all of the women are sort of rooting each other on. And I love it. Yeah, it's, you know, people often ask me about music and how that, that path was when, when I was coming up in the, in, the, in the ranks. And it's so funny, Sarah, because the men, which is ironically, I think where people were going with their queries, was it tough with men? Were they on you? Was it, you know, sexualized or did you have to do this? Or And I knew where it was coming from. They just didn't really want to spell it out. And I'm like, I know where you're going. And actually, contrary to what you're saying to me, the most difficulty I had was with other women, was with the marketing, the, the marketing department, the girls in the marketing department, the girls in promo. I, I remember, and, and I may have talked about this on the show, Adam, you'll, you'll remember better than me, but I remember getting ready for the David Letterman show. And it was a big, big deal for me. Insensitive had broken out in the States. This would have been 1995, I think. 90, early 95. And of course they wanted to dress me and do my hair and get makeup done and all of this stuff. And I didn't even feel like myself, you know, when I put on the outfit that I wanted to wear, I remember the girls standing with their arms folded in front of their chest saying, no, you just, you can't pull that off. Like this is Letterman. Okay. And I, <laughs> I, I can't even look at that clip anymore. My hair is back combed. Um, I mean, the suit was lovely. Yeah, it was a Donna Karan, shiny blue kind of a suit without a shirt underneath the jacket. I was mortified. I insisted that I put a scarf like in it to cover up my rather large breasts. <laughs> and, um, and I just, that day changed everything for me. I was like, I'm never, ever going to feel like this again. I'm never going to be pushed into a corner, but if I had been there with a couple of guys from the promo department, they would have been like, yeah, wear the plaid shirt and the jeans. That's cool. Yeah, I'll go do it. Have fun. You, you know, you need to be comfortable. I really feel like I would have gotten that. And the women were petty. And I just, I'll never forget it. Anyway, live and learn. Um, we are coming to the end of our very first segment in season two, episode one. I'm here with the wonderful Sarah Burke, Adam Karsh, as always. We have a very special guest coming up because I just saw her pop up. So I think we have to do it quickly. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. Do not go away.
Welcome back to the Jan Arden Podcast. Very special guest. I am not going to waste any time. Caitlin Green, who is our our girl. She's my sidekick. She's she's my <laughs> she's my right and my left hand and my head most days. Uh, she's coming to us from her condo in Toronto, and you know I'm not. I'm just going to let her tell her story. We had a really really hard year with being friends with Caitlin, being part of her radio family. We went through a really difficult time with Caitlin. Those of you that have been listening with us, um, Caitlin and her husband, Kyle, lost their son. Uh, He passed away last year. And um, it was a terrible, heavy, heartbreaking time. And um, anyway... I want to. I want Caitlin to bring you up to speed of that journey with her and her husband Kyle, and um, why we haven't really heard from Caitlin in the last month or so, and why we did our special um, episodes. So, Caitlin Green, welcome, and I'll leave it with you. Give us as much or as little time as you have. I know <laughs> you've got some stuff going on. I do. I have a whole person staring at me, going, "What are you doing?" because we have been very, very busy for the last month. I can't believe it's been a month already. Yep. But on it, this is no, this is a secret on our podcast so far, but I have talked about it already on social and on the morning show, but we welcomed a little baby boy named Will on August the 4th at 843 in the morning. And this is my baby voice that I randomly just transfer into now without even realizing it because half the time I'm talking and holding Will. So I'm like telling him. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's been where I've been. Like, it's been crazy. I've been mostly just trying to focus on keeping a tiny new person alive. <laughs> and we have, because of the loss, we didn't want to talk about it publicly until he was here safe and sound. So that's why it's been such a big secret for the last year. And it's really hard to keep a secret when your job for the most part is to like talk about your life. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's been like a lot of times also where you just want to like, you have this exciting good news and all these milestones happening, but because we had a full term loss last time, there's just was, there was no point during this pregnancy where we felt safe talking about it, which I think is kind of just a self-protection measure. Um, and is really common with, I think parents who have like full term losses. It's been such an incredible journey. I mean, even oh, Adam and I knew, but we didn't mm-hmm. know. We didn't know till quite deep into your pregnancy. I, I like. I don't believe you said anything to me, Caitlin, until four months, four and a half months. Yeah, I think I and I same thing at um, at Chum, and same thing with a lot of friends like if I didn't see a friend in person and they didn't see me look very pregnant like I have friends who don't live in Canada so we haven't been in as much contact they didn't know until I posted it on social (laughs) that I was pregnant so that's that's pretty common I think and like at work even I started looking kind of big and on the morning show with Marilyn and Jamar, um, Marilyn, at one point I was wearing like big, big shirts and she was kind of side-eyeing me being like what is happening here because it wasn't sort of normally how I dress so you do just want to keep it as under wraps as you can because you think to yourself at any point something could go wrong. And we just I didn't want to have to go through everything publicly this time around uh, if we could avoid it. So we decided to wait until until he got here safe and sound. It's got to be such a relief 
Yeah. That's the funny thing though. You're like, oh yeah, you get the relief for sure. But then you just transition immediately into all the worries that every parent has. So you just are like, oh, amazing. He's here. We made it. Like, And the team, we, we were at Mount Sinai Hospital again. Um, they were incredible. I had a planned cesarean. We did it a week and a half early. Like, we, they, The care plan they developed for us, considering what had happened last time, was really effective at keeping our, our mental health prioritized and the health of Will. So that was helpful. So the second he arrives with a c-section like they pull them out and you want to hear them cry right away which he did so we were just like yes and then they do all the little scores he did well on all of his little scores so we feel good about it and within seconds you are worried about are they eating enough are they pooping enough like how are you healing and then you get home with them and you're like are they gonna sleep does he have colic like all this stuff just starts to happen so that relief quickly gets replaced with regular new parent worries Can I ask a question, Caitlin, if you don't mind, like for other parents, you know, who have gone through something similar or, you know, an an early pregnancy and someone going through those same worries in their head, Mm -hmm. um, maybe they've been given a heads up that, you know, things are risky. What is your best advice having been through this? I really recommend therapy. (laughs) We have... To, we have a psychiatrist who she specializes actually in um, post like neonatal losses because technically that's kind of what ours was because Sam he made it for about six hours so it's not really like a, a like a pregnancy loss it's not the same so she kind of specializes in that world and she headed up our group therapy sessions we were connected with a late loss group very soon after Sam died and so she'd agreed to see us privately so we've been seeing her every other week for well since Sam passed away last March. And we were in group therapy. Group therapy was great for connecting with other parents. And you hear people whose stories are kind of similar to yours, and you can kind of become friends with them. So I think that helped. Yeah, yeah, that helped us through for sure. And then I started seeing my own individual CBT therapist, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for helping you kind of deal with anxiety. So I would really recommend that for sure. And um I'm trying to think of what else we had a lot of, I listened to a lot of therapy podcasts. I read a lot of kind of resilience based books, things that are supposed to be built around helping you weigh your worries that are just naturally going to come up for you and sort of validating them, but not staying there. Cause that's, that's what I found to be the most helpful recognizing that the concerns and the worries you have are valid, but you don't want to give them a whole day in your head to be active. So Yeah, if you've been through a loss or if you're just having any kind of regular anxieties, I just can't, I can't co-sign on therapy enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's good advice for really anything. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. (laughs) I like the idea that you touched upon, Caitlin, of a grief shared is kind of grief lessened. Mm -hmm. You know, that you're not alone in it and that it is such an integral, huge part of human life is grieving. And I feel like we spend most of our lives trying our best to avoid it mm-hmm. and to not be sad, you know, whether it's breaking up with someone before they break up with you or, you know, going into a room and making fun of yourself before somebody else <laughs> makes fun of you. I mean, the smaller things that still come down to how humans grieve, you know, our parents, our children. I, I have to commend you on your your transparency through this, I, you were always so fair and, and ready to talk about it no matter how hard it was. 
And, and I know, cause you and I have spoken about this, the DMS, the, the, <laughs> the messages that you've gotten from people that you have changed their lives by being able to speak and to address your pain. Uh, and I find that mind boggling to me. It's a very hard thing to do. I don't, I don't know how you did it. I also think it's super personal because for me talking about it makes me feel better because I think it, it's hard to explain, but it's almost like it diminishes its power over you in a way for me. Some people don't feel comfortable with it. Maybe yet, maybe they're not at that point in their, their grief journey. Maybe they're not ever really going to be comfortable with it and something else will click for them. This I quickly recognized made me feel better right away to explain what happened, how we're doing, and just be very honest about it. Because if I was pretending that I was okay one day, or if I was just avoiding it altogether, I didn't feel very good. I could tell if I hadn't acknowledged how sad I was feeling or how much grief we had for a few days in a row, it's easy to slip into regular life and denial then. But for some reason, it's like, it's still there. You're just sort of ignoring it. So you do have to, to steal therapy terms, make space for it at certain points in your week and your day. And it really does help. And and also connect with other people because like you said, a lot of people had DM'd me and they were talking about losses they had maybe back in the day when it wasn't kosher to talk about these things yeah. as much. And they said, Oh my gosh, you talking about it made me talk about it with some of my girlfriends. My mother-in-law even had one of her best friends lost a child late, like a late loss. And they revisited that conversation after I started talking about Sam passing so it touches so many people. It's a really, it's more common than you think. And everyone has experiences with loss. So it's a connecting point with other people. And it makes you feel like you said, a bigger sense of community and so many nice messages. There was a, a listener on the morning show who experienced a loss, a late loss, very similar to ours, probably only a few weeks after Sam died. And she emailed me and she has since started expecting another child. And she since emailed me when she saw that Will had arrived and is asking me, you know, what were some things you did to get through the pregnancy? I've been so stressed. So it's it's just, it's really nice. Like it is, it's nice to share that with people and to kind of normalize the days where you're not feeling great. I don't know, just being in service of others makes us have better lives. Caitlin, thanks so much. I look forward to, to seeing and meeting you guys. Hopefully next week I'll get a chance to poke my head in the door and say hi. But thanks for Sarah Burke, you know, to yeah. to, uh, to hook her into this. And, and uh, Adam's given us the wrap, Caitlin. Oh, my gosh. Please enjoy your day. And we send you lots of love and can't wait to see Will. I'm so happy for you and Kyle and for your, your extended family and friends. Mazel tov. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Love you. Welcome back to the Jan Arden Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. Um, that was so great, Caitlin. Caitlin, Caitlin. Oh, my gosh. And Will and Kyle. It's just beyond exciting. And I just, I feel so joyful. Sarah, over to you. I know you've got you've got something up your sleeve, Sarah. I can see it on your face. <laughs> well, I thought while we still have Caitlin here before Will, you know, needs his mother for something. Before he craps on her or barfs into yeah. her brassiere. <laughs> yeah. happened in close succession, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what what do we need to know about being on a podcast with Jan Arden? What what's something what? I don't know about Jan what's from happening? Caitlin? From Caitlin that I need to know about. Um, that Jan is generally speaking ready to talk about anything. And 
So you can prepare a billion and one ideas and we will cover off every single one of them and they will not follow a, a thread, which yeah. is great because I have a similar brain that's like ABD. So I'm like, yes, we can bounce this around like a tennis ball or we will settle onto the topic of school lunches and stay there for an entire episode. So <laughs> okay. school lunches okay. are the best. They are. that Like food shows have been some of our favorite. And so you it's the the right amount of prep is whatever you want (laughs) because you can cover eight topics or you can just really cover one and also adam has to be ready to bleep bleep things out because sometimes (laughs) we'll curse and then or we'll be like oh we should stop this because it's also aired on radio shows or radio stations we can't swear on the radio love a woman with a potty mouth okay what about poking the bear things that are no-go with jen like i don't want to piss her off I don't think there's anything that would, I mean, short, short of you being like, I'm going to talk about like my recent tofurkey, not tofurkey. What's the, what's the opposite of tofurkey? Oh, a turducken. Yeah. I wouldn't ask Jan for her turducken recipe, which is a turkey stuffed with a duck stuffed with a chicken. Wrapped in bacon. Is it wrapped in bacon? That's disgusting. It's wrapped in bacon at the end. And Nigel, who we know and love from this show, my friend, I always talk about, they have, yeah. he, he said he won't do it again. I've been, my, my <laughs> pressure on veganism has, he can't even do it anymore. He goes, I'm not going to fight with you. I can't do it anymore. I'm not bringing it up. But, you know, they used to, every holiday, well, we're going to pick up the bloody turducken from the farm up the road. No. I'm like, I don't want to know. Just on a culinary level, it is actually revolting. It's like a Frankenstein of, you know, holiday meals. I don't understand the urge to shove one bird into another into another like those Russian dolls. I don't get it, but I wouldn't bring it up. So don't bring up anything about tormenting animals. Although we will talk about bull penis. So I don't know where the line is, actually. Oh, yeah. That that was my intro to you guys, if you recall. I was like, was. whoa, okay. Yeah. They're called pizzle sticks. <laughs> what a ridiculous name. So, I don't know if Pizzle is an actual anatomy thing with a bull penis. And why are they so long and skinny? Like I just I'm not understanding the 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 whole visual of what this is when you buy them. And I just want for all people listening out there, I have not bought Poppy a bull penis. It, somebody gave it to him and it took me, a, it was like well into day like five when he was chewing it that I realized that someone said, you know what, that is right. My, my friend bought it. I thought it was just like a, a thing that they chew. It just didn't dawn on me and trust me, I will not be buying him another one. He can, he can chew on my chair leg in my dining room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's arguably much less disgusting than a dehydrated bull's penis. There's no end what you can, what they, what they give to animals. It's all walk into a pet store, go into the the bargain bins where they have, you know, all the bulk stuff. There'll be a hundred pig ears dehydrated or, or chicken knuckle feet. There's no, everything's used. Yes, I'll give them that. And that's (laughs) what it is, but it's still, you know, I, I, I don't even know what to say. It is funny when you consider the fact that every single person complains about their dog's breath and then proceeds to feed them the worst smelling dehydrated animal parts in the world. So yeah, I think the chair leg is a safe bet. Yeah. I don't care if he rips up the dining room furniture or chews rugs or whatever it is that he wants to do. He pulled, he's, he's tall enough now. You just wait, Caitlin, to your kids five. 
Um, <laughs> he can jump up on the on things I never dreamed he could jump up on. And the other day he dragged down a little decorative birdhouse that my brother made in jail. Oh, my God. So it kind of held a little bit of sentiment because my brother went to a lot of work. The birdhouse had windows and shingles and... I'm telling you, it was probably 50 hours of delicate jail hand tooling. And uh, he chewed the sh- shish kebab out <laughs> in little tiny pieces. I was so mad. Sarah, you can see how my initial point about the conversation going in any which direction is is what <laughs> the podcast is like. We can start talking about dehydrated animal parts and then move into jail birdhouses. Can I be while you're here, Caitlin? I want to ask you girls one thing. So I went to Starbucks. Feel free to sponsor us, Starbucks. Please feel free to sponsor us. So I went there because what season is it, everybody? What just happened at Starbucks? Pumpkin spice latte season. Thank you, Adam. You're welcome. I'm not endorsing it. It's not PSL season. It's 40 degrees out. I refuse to accept it. I know. It's still really hot here. But so I go up to the window. I didn't order a pumpkin spice. I ordered a vente dragon fruit coconut drink it's 120 calories for anyone that wants to know it's coconut milk and i think some kind of dragon fruit lemonade i'm just Mm. tell me if i'm wrong i really don't know what's in it i get up to the window and i had to wait quite a while and there's a line up behind me and i can see in my rearview mirror that the guy is getting clearly agitated like what the f are you doing lady like what the f are you ordering i'm like this isn't on me i ordered one drink in order i knew what i was doing i've got my app ready it's i'm holding it out the window and i said to the to the kid is everything okay he goes ma'am uh we're in a bit of a trouble here right now uh we just we're we're in pumpkin spiced hell he said to me <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> But it was the ma'am that got me initially. <laughs> ma'am, uh, we're in a bit of a pickle here. We're in pumpkin spice hell. I would have loved of- to see you make a scene in the Starbucks drive through about the pumpkin spice latte. Well, he said it wasn't the drive through He says it's not. He said we're getting orders for like 20. He said it's all the call-in orders. So not only are they doing the walk-ins to the front store, now they've got a lineup of drive-ups. And he said, everybody he said i was really glad to get your order because it wasn't pumpkin spice (laughs) so they're they're rebranding psl as ps hell is how i'm completely taking this and that's what i'm going to do a hashtag of and starbucks will never sponsor us hashtag ps hell (laughs) well anyway i it's not my thing either i'm not really pumpkin spicy although i do like a pumpkin pie and uh, But generally, I can't think of anything else that I put pumpkin spice on. I don't even like a pumpkin spice candle. I'm one of those psychos that likes black coffee with nothing in it. Uh, Caitlin, by the way, w- with your like new routine, is coffee part of it? Oh, my God. I'm a morning show host. So, like, yes, coffee is my whole life. It always will be. It <laughs> is now. Although the awkward thing is our home espresso machine, we have a really great automatic espresso machine, it broke two weeks before my duty. And right. Yeah, I know it was awful. So thankfully, my brother in law gifted us with a temporary Nespresso, which I now love until our automatic espresso Yeah, comes back. So but like, we'll hit up Starbucks too. There's one legitimately at the end of our street. And I love the advance ordering on the app. So I'm not getting a pumpkin spice, but I am one of those advance order people that that poor man at the drive through was having to deal with. 
Oh, you guys, you should have seen his sweet little face. He had, he didn't have a mask on. Like no one's wearing masks out here. That, that ship has sailed clearly, clearly has sailed, but, uh, he had, you know, quite bad acne and I was so worried about his acne and him working there and being in pumpkin spice hell. Like I got my drink. It took quite a while. Um, but the guy behind me was not happy, but anyway, be kind to your baristas, everybody. When you're walking in, it is pumpkin spice hell season or whatever Caitlin is going to brand it as. Take mm-hmm. a little extra time if you're in a drive through window, if you're in the store, if you're ordering online. Give these people a break. They, I can't think of anyone that's worked harder the last two years than a barista. They have kept the front lines going. But uh, Caitlin, once again, we're getting the old wrap-up. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's so great to see you. And like I said, hopefully I'll get to meet Will next week. Yay. uh, If I have to bribe you with coffee and throw pebbles at your window, I will. Yeah, bring croissants and I'll open the door. Okay, (laughs) croissants. You got it. Okay, bye guys. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. We'll be right back. Well, this is going by quickly. Welcome, Jan Arden Podcast. Sarah Burke is with us. We're so grateful. Adam Karsh, as always, season two is... Out of the gate. It's out of the gate. We've already said bull penis. We've said pizzle. <laughs> we've talked about barf and poo. Uh, we've talked about school lunches. Uh, we've talked about coffee, acne. And uh, we're about to talk about something that Sarah Burke sent me. And I didn't know a lot about it, which was the the Woodstock debacle of 99. I am probably one of the few people that hasn't tuned into Netflix to watch what went down uh, when they tried to recreate a very magical part of the 60s, which was Woodstock, as everybody knows, and it didn't go well. So what what happened, Sarah? Well, I mean, it's a very popular little Netflix miniseries now, so anyone can watch it. But, you know, it definitely brought to the forefront uh, how women were treated at this festival, first and foremost. Uh, it was not a safe place. It became very aggressive and violent. Um but also how not planning the festival proper, properly, cutting corners, contributed to that environment. Not enough security, um, like the health and safety don't even get me started on. Like people were, you know, trying to get water, like, you know, something that we still talk about being a problem in certain communities for sure. But like at a festival, you've paid, you know, your hundreds of dollars for a weekend pass and you can't even have a drink of water somewhere. I read that people couldn't bring in their own food and drink, so they couldn't bring in their anything with them. Um, and that water bottles, I mean, this is 99, and that a water back then was 65 cents, and they were already selling it for four bucks. And when they started running short on the water, some of these vendors were trying to get 12, 15 bucks a bottle of water, and people were waiting in lines for 25 minutes. It's dangerous, and then that kind of heat. So everything went wrong, did it? Everything went wrong. And I actually spoke to someone recently that went to that festival, like someone who called into my radio show. And they were just saying like, I remember as a guy being worried about the safety of the woman that I was with, even though I was there to protect her. So what was going on with women? Was it, was there people just high and loaded and being, being grabby kind of? There was a lot of encouragement for people to just be like naked and letting it all out. Like, so still part of that era where like, you know, women were like flashing in the crowd, like being on someone's shoulders. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
And and really why I sent you that link too was because from your perspective, like you, you've played a ton of festivals. I was yeah. wondering if you've ever had an experience playing a festival where you were like worried about the crowd, worried about, you know, things you couldn't control outside I of haven't. your performance. I Never. I, I've, I've been very fortunate and I've played some really big festivals. I mean, uh, I did Live 8 many years ago in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I, I was on before Motley Crue. And, uh, yeah, that was, I don't know. Can I say I open for Motley Crue now? Does that, does that justify? Sure. But I mean, that was, that was a lot of people. Um, and the other really big one that I went to and all I did was sing the national anthem, but it was the Stones concert for SARS. If you guys can remember, Mm -hmm. and there was 400,000 people, uh, out in a field. And, um, but I felt like they were pretty prepared. There was something like, 25,000 porta potties. So yeah. that's it was every porta potty in the city of Toronto and surrounding area that was at that big festival with the Stones. And they raised a lot of money for SARS, but I remember security being really well. I never felt unsafe. I remember I had to leave uh, sort of midway through the show, and an RCMP put me in the back seat of a car with a couple of my bandmates and drove very slowly where these pylons were. People were quite quite civilized about it and that would have been what 2005 i just did a festival in salmon arm about ten thousand people last week unbelievably well put together lots of vendors lots of places to get water lots of fountains cooling stations misters um tons of different kinds of food uh, places for people to sit and also places for people to stand. So if you're like me and you want to sit on your lawn chair and you don't want to be in the mosh pit in the front, they made they made lots of room for that. And then way off in the back, the beer tent, Sarah. So there was people in the – they had to be in a licensed beer tent, show their ID, and the liquor could not come out of that tent. They also had a rave tent, okay, which – definitely contributed to the problem. At which that's time. what was, yeah. And that's, you know, for that era, again, what were people doing on weekends, right? Like I get, I understand why they programmed something for that folk, but, and it would be like after the main stage wraps up, then you go to the tent. And that's where a lot of this, you know, all the, the sexual assault and there was rape at this festival. A lot of it was going down there. It's very disappointing to hear that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, music is a very sacred magical thing um i guess it was a different time you know the 60s such a vibe of peace and love maybe that permeated everything uh, i don't even can do you know any of the acts sarah that played the 99 yeah so i mean a big story revolves around the band corn <laughs> and corn <laughs> are you a corn fan jan i'm dying to know i i have heard a few corn songs um i don't know if i could hum along yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? Like their fans had never the programming was interesting in in even the schedule. Like Corn getting this slot that allowed them to like really pump up the crowd later in the night where they maybe weren't even at that place in their career yet. You yeah. know what I mean? Um the Chili Peppers and of course like Fleas butt naked on stage like I saw Fleas now we're talking penises again. It's not a bull penis this time. It is Flea's penis I saw in that documentary. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be behind his bass guitar. No, I saw it. <laughs> oh. I don't know. There's just yeah. no part of me that 
would ever want to perform nude. And, and I've been, and I was drunk many, many, many times in my life, but never on stage. I never, never drank on stage or did that. I was, it's just a different thing. And, and yeah. hot drinking whiskey, what, whatever the case may be. I, I wonder how, where are they getting the footage to make the documentary? Like, were there people there just shooting all the debacle going on? Much music, MTV, they're like Rick Campanelli and Ed the Sock are in this documentary. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, and while we're, you know, maybe a, a full circle moment for the, the show, um, how about, how about uh, Vince Neil? That's a story we missed over the summer as well. Did you, did you hear about that, Jen? Oh, please go. Tell me everything because I, I, Vince Neil is... Or no, it was Tommy. It was uh, Tommy Lee. Sorry, Tommy Lee. So is it something to do with his wiener again now? What's happening? We have 60 seconds, so go. <laughs> Tommy Lee woke up and posted his his business, all of it, wide open to Instagram. I get on Twitter. It's trending on Twitter. I click on the trending link, and there it was on Twitter as well. This man's penis also was recently shared. I didn't think that was allowed on Instagram. It took a whole day for them to remove it. It was up the whole day. <laughs> well, it takes him a whole day to get it down, maybe. <laughs> if I may be so bold. It took them a day to get it down, and it took him a day to get it down. So, oh, you guys and your bits. Like, come oh. on. Like, it's not, I don't, anyway. Welcome to season two, episode one, Jan Arden podcast. Sarah Burke is going to be with us while Caitlin learns how to parent. <laughs> and uh, we are really happy for, for her and, and Kyle and their family and, and I promised her I'd babysit when when uh, Will turns 15. Sure. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, next time, next week, look forward to this, because we're going to pick Sarah Burke's brain about what she had at her school lunch. We don't have time today, but we're going to start. We're going to we're going to pick your mind about your favorite foods and what you like to eat if you're hungover, or you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm prepared. Okay. <laughs> Adam Karsh, thank you for being here. Hope you guys you. Have had a great uh, summer. Yep. Lots to look forward to. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe by hitting that little button. You can listen to us on all your favorite streaming and, uh, of course, the iHeart Radio Network. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Totally do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.